This is the podcast, Surgery IC Rounds. This is Jeff Guy. We're going to um, do a uh, series of talks on mechanical ventilation with the intent on introducing um, the resident uh, or the nurse to some of the basic concepts of mechanical ventilation. Um, this particular talk is going to be on the different types of modes of mechanical ventilations, the different types of ventilation that we have. And then we'll give a talk uh, on uh, things like pressure support, PEEP, uh, and then some of the more exotic modes of ventilation that we use, uh, things like VDR, uh, oscillatory ventilation, and APRV. There are um, three really different types of ventilators, and, and ventilators have, have typically been classified according to the cycling method. And what does that mean? Cycling means how a ventilator switches from, say, inhalation to exhalation. Um, uh, uh, modern ventilators uh, over the last, say, 10 uh, to 12 years have incorporated more and more uh, microprocessors and computers, which give uh, ventilators a significant amount of flexibility. And therefore, we have ventilators that are able to ventilate uh, neonates to adults. Uh, the three types of ventilators really are volume-cycled, pressure-cycled, and time-cycled. What does each one of those mean? Volume-cycled means that the ventilator delivers gas until um, uh, a set total volume has been delivered. And that may be regardless of what the volume would be. Um, in a person who has a very compliant lung with a set total volume of, say, 700 cc's, uh, the peak inspiratory pressure may be 15. Uh, if we put somebody on a volume-cycled ventilator and they have very stiff lungs or we put a, 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 a pile of bricks on their chest making their lungs uh, less compliant, give them the same total volume, they will have a peak pressure, say, 35 or 40 or perhaps even higher. So it's going to deliver that volume with very little regard to what the pressure um, the peak pressure is. Now, pressure-cycled ventilators are that you set a pressure and the ventilator will cycle and it'll deliver that gas until the ventilator senses that it's obtained that set pressure. For instance, if you set a peak inspiratory pressure of 25, the ventilator is triggered, it will deliver gas, it'll flow the gas through the endotracheal tube until it achieves that pressure of 25. The ventilator then cycles off, doesn't deliver any more gas, and then we enter into an exhalation phase. Time cycle ventilators are used um, much less frequently than they have in the past, not uh, hardly at all in the modern intensive care unit. They have been used more frequently in the operating room uh, in years past uh, in the um, anesthesia machines. Um, but even in that setting, we're seeing more and more uh, quote-unquote smart ventilators uh, that are more traditional pressure-cycled or volume-cycled ventilators. But a time cycle ventilator is, is that you set basically an inspiratory time. So you'll tell the ventilator to uh, trigger on and cycle for a period of, say, um, uh, three seconds. And the ventilator will click on, and it'll flow gas in for three seconds, and then at the conclusion of that three seconds, then terminate the flow of gas. Those are the, the basic types of ventilators. Now let's get into the mode of ventilation. When we put somebody on a ventilator, it's pretty, um, it's pretty traditional that... Um, the first uh, order that we give when we do ventilators orders are the mode of ventilation. You may hear somebody get put on a ventilator and they'll say, set the mode at SIMV, the rate at 12, the total volume at 500, PEEP of 5, pressure support of 5. What is mode? Modes of ventilation really define how a patient is able to interact with the ventilator. 
uh, how they can trigger the ventilator and what happens once they trigger the ventilator. How is the gas delivered? Um, is it time um, cycled? Is it pressure cycled? Does the patient have the ability to do any spontaneous breathing or does the machine control every breath? Those are the things that are defined by the mode of ventilation. There are several uh, modes of ventilation. Um, controlled mechanical ventilation, also known as CMV. There is assist control. There is SIMV, which stands for uh, synchronized intermittent mandatory ventilation. And then there's pressure control ventilation, also known as PCV. Now, controlled mechanical ventilation, or CMV, is a mode of ventilation that is hardly used uh, uh, in the modern intensive care unit. When a patient is set on, on um, uh, controlled mechanical ventilation, we set the respiratory rate and the total volume. So if we set somebody on a rate of 10 and a total volume of, say, 500, uh, that means every 6 seconds or 10 times a minute, the machine is going to deliver a breath of 500 cc's. Now, the patient's going to get that breath every 10 seconds of 500 cc's, whether they want it or not, whether they want to breathe eight times a minute or 20 times a minute, it doesn't make a difference. They're going to get a breath every 10 seconds. If they want to take a tidal volume of 200 or a tidal volume of 700, it doesn't matter. The tidal volume is going to be 500. The patient cannot trigger the ventilator or move air through the ventilator circuit. So if you're at from, uh, from second zero to second 10, the patient will get their first breath of every minute at 10 seconds. But say at second five, the patient wants to breathe, and they try to pull or try to in inhale on that endotracheal tube, the machine won't allow them to do it. So you can imagine that would be rather frightening to a patient uh, and uh, certainly create a significant amount of agitation. Uh, therefore, uh, CMV, or controlled mechanical ventilation, as I said, is not very used very much, and when it is, the patient typically has to be heavily sedated and uh, receive uh, neuromuscular paralysis. Now, assist control is a mode of ventilation where the patient is able to trigger the ventilator. Okay, the ventilator is able to sense when the patient's trying to uh, initiate a spontaneous breath. Now let's take our experimental patient here and put them, say, on a mode of assist control and a rate of four. And a rate of four, that means the patient is going to get out of breath four times a minute or every 15 seconds. Now, the patient is able to trigger the ventilator by uh, basically initiating a breath or, or drawing down on the endotracheal tube, uh, initiating what we call negative inspiratory force. And once they draw uh, that breath or trigger the ventilator, the ventilator will deliver a predetermined tidal volume. So let's go with the mechanical breath. The mode is assist control, the rate is 4, the total volume is 500. So that means at, at time 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and 60 seconds, and then every 15 seconds thereafter, the machine is going to deliver that, pre that set total volume of 500 cc's. Now, ordinarily we have differences in our total volume and our respiratory rate. And if we have our patient and they want to take a breath at, say, second 10, now, we know they're guaranteed a machine breath at second 15. At second 10, the patient says to themselves, I want to take my own breath. And they begin to take a breath. They will then trigger the ventilator. When they trigger the ventilator, the ventilator takes over and says, here's your 500cc breath. Now, the patient may say, I don't want a 500cc breath. I want a 400cc breath. The ventilator says, tough. Here's your 500cc breath. And the way we breathe is much different than the way the ventilator breathes. We have differences in the way the gas flows in 
and the way the gas flows out. A lot of ventilators, they have what I call factory-made breaths, a very preset way, negative, a very preset inspiratory time, a very preset expiratory time, and the way the gas is flowed, much like a, a factory who's making widgets. So you get one of these widget breaths every time you trigger the ventilator, regardless of how you want to breathe as far as total volume. So you're breathing your machine breaths at every 15 seconds. You try to initiate a spontaneous breath at, say, 10 seconds. But all you do is you start the breath, the vent ventilator triggers, the ventilator then takes over the breath and delivers the breath how the ventilator wants to. Now, let's go to SIMV. SIMV stands for Synchronized Intermittent Mandatory Ventilation. Now, let's say take our patient and set them on an SIMV rate of 4, again, every 15 seconds, and they're going to get a total volume of 500 cc's. Now, at, that means that at second 15, 30, 45, and 60, you're going to get a machine breath, a factory-made breath uh, of 500 cc's. Now, let's go back to our patient who wants to take a breath at time 10 seconds. Now, you remember with assist control, the patient, all they did was trigger the ventilator, and the ventilator took over the breath and gave them that factory-made 500cc breath. That doesn't happen in SIMV. In SIMV, the patient may say, I want to take my own breath at second 10, and I want it to be 650cc's. The machine will allow them to do that once they, once they pull open a trigger, a demand valve, and the machine will allow them to breathe. It will allow them to breathe at their own rate and at their own total volume. And you can imagine that would certainly make a patient a little, quite a bit more comfortable than getting a factory breath every time they want to breathe. Now, SIMV has several advantages over assist control. One is that the mean airway pressure is less, and therefore it has less negative hemodynamic effects when you have somebody on positive pressure ventilation. There is less hyperventilation and respiratory alkalosis that's likely to, less likely to occur. And patients may maintain their own respiratory strength because they're doing some of their own breathing. Uh, patients will typically tolerate SIMV better than assist control, and since they're tolerating it better, that means they have less sedation. Sedating people on a ventilator is kind of um, like a dog chasing its tail. Uh, think about putting an endotracheal tube in somebody. I go to the doctor, they put a tongue depressor on my tongue to look at my oral pharynx, and I want to puke on my doctor's shoes because I have you know, that, that, that negative stimulation of a gag reflex. Well, if you wanted to keep an endotracheal tube in me and keep me from gagging in or pulling out, I need to be sedated. Well, what do we sedate? What are the drugs we use typically in intensive care units? Well, we use narcotics and opiates. We know that narcotics and opiates cause respiratory depression. And then we'll use benzodiazepines to cause things like uh, amnesia and uh, sedation. And we know that benzodiazepines elevate your apnea threshold. So in summary, all those things keep you from breathing, and so what you end up with is you end up chasing your tail because you end up uh, having a patient on a ventilator. You sedate them to keep them on a ventilator, and then you need to further ventilate the The next mode of um, uh, ventilation is pressure control. Now, pressure control in its pure form is very much like assist control. We'll get into that a little bit. But in pressure control, what you do is you set, rather than setting a total volume, you set an inspiratory pressure. You say set a peak pressure of, say, 25. And what will happen is the ventilator will, will trigger, it will flow gas through the endotracheal tube into the patient until the, the pressure sensed by the ventilator reaches 25, then the flow of gas stops. Well, what is the total volume? 
Well, the total volume is determined based on the compliance of the patient's lung. Um, a patient who has a very compliant lung, uh, keep in mind that compliance is really defined by a change in pressure or a change in volume. Uh, a patient with a very compliant lung uh, will also have a total volume of, say, 700 cc's. Um, when you have somebody who's got a very stiff lung, uh, at that same set pressure, they may only get 300 um, cc's. Um, therefore, you can see that you'll have tremendous variability in total volumes from patient to patient, and you may have tremendous variability in total volume within the same patient over a period of time. Let's take a patient who, um, uh, multiple trauma patients, they received a lot of crystalloid resuscitation, they've got packs up on their diaphragm from a liver laceration, maybe they have a dollar compartment syndrome and they've got their diaphragm uh, being pushed up. They're going to have a reasonably poorly compliant lung. Now, as they improve and perhaps their diuresine or their packs come out, um, their lung will get more compliant. So at 8 o'clock in the morning, they may have um, a peak pressure set at, say, 30, and that may be producing a total volume of, say, 500. Uh, as you um, uh, diurese them and their pulmonary compliance improves, they may have a total volume of, say, 750 or 800. Now, this is very important when people, for instance, are having abdominal compartment syndrome and their abdomen's getting decompressed. And if they're on pressure control, they've got a very poorly compliant lung. Somebody opens up their abdomen, their lung instantaneously becomes very compliant. And if somebody doesn't turn down that pressure setting, you're going to have some significant volume trauma and barotrauma to that lung. Now, pressure control typically works by assist control uh, triggering. Now, I don't want to confuse you, but remember the assist control, we said that if we had a, a set rate of four, that means you get a factory breath every 15 seconds. Well, in a pure pressure control setting, you have the same thing. That the machine's going to say, you're going to breathe at 15, 30, 45, and 60 seconds, and I'm going to give you this pressure-limited breath. Boom, boom, boom. And if you try to initiate your own breath at 10 seconds, you trigger the vent, the vent delivers that, that factory uh, or that mechanical breath. Pressure control, same thing. Uh, that you'll get a pressure-limited breath every 15 seconds. You trigger the ventilator at time 10 seconds. The machine takes over, gives you that factory breath. And there are, on some of the newer modes of ventilation, typically, that we have at Vanderbilt, some of the servo eye ventilators, they have what's called pressure control SIMV. Now, what pressure control SIMV means is that your mechanical breaths are going to be pressure control breaths. But say at 10 seconds, if you want to initiate your own breath, the machine is going to allow you to initiate your own breath. Certainly much more comfortable for the patient to keep them sedated. Now, there are some other advantages to pressure control ventilation. And that is, as we begin to fill up the lung, as we come closer and closer to that set pressure, um, uh, at time zero, as, as the breath begins to initiate, there may be only a uh, inspiratory pressure of 5, and as the gas flows into the lung, the pressure obviously goes up closer to that set pressure of, say, 25. And as we approach the set pressure, the flow of the gas decreases. This is much more common, uh, this is much more similar to the way that um, uh, humans typically breathe. Um, Breaths like SIMV, if you look at the, the screens on the, on the uh, flow time screen of a ventilator has a graphics package, and you look at the SIMV breath, it's much like breathing off a scuba apparatus. The 
the valves are open or the valves are closed. Valves are open or valves are closed. So it's like gas, no gas. Gas, no gas. And that's how you breathe uh, when you're on a SIMV breath or an assist control breath. Well, you and I, breathing spontaneously, don't breathe that way. The way you and I typically breathe is what I uh, will tell people is listen to a little kid of a nose full of snot, or I like to call booger breathing, somebody who's got very audible breathing. And what you'll hear is as they begin to take their breath, you'll hear the breath come in very quickly, and as they get to the top of that inspiratory time, the top of that inspiratory phase, the, the rate of gas, or the flow of gas into the lung begins to slow down. And then they exhale. That is much more of what you see on pressure control. So if you imagine... Um, a, um, a cis control or an SIMB breath would sound, if you were to listen to the gas sound, it goes off. Off. That's what an assist control or an SIMB breath sounds. Now, the residents of Vanderbilt don't make fun of me for making these sounds. Um, the, the pressure control breath is much more exhale. Okay, so it goes real fast to start out with, and then it slows down. So it goes, Exhale. That's more of what you and I breathe. If you don't believe me, don't pick your nose, pinch your, pinch your uh, uh, nose, listen to you breathe. But that's what we call booger breathing. Much more physiological. Now, what is the advantage of, of breathing physiological? Well, first of all, there's my bias that whenever you're replicating the patient's physiology, they're going to do better. But uh, my biases aside, the data has demonstrated that this inspiratory waveform has shown to result in a more homogeneous distribution of gas flow in patients who are suffering from acute respiratory distress syndrome. Therefore, you're less likely to have things like volume trauma, and which volume trauma leads to barotrauma. The gas is going to flow through the lungs more evenly. The next type of mode is not really a control mode, but it's called a support mode, and that's pressure support mode. And pressure support it has been developed to kind of help reduce the work of spontaneous breathing in somebody who has an SIMV. Um, for instance, um, as we are trying to wean down the set mechanical rate on a, on a patient on SIMV, what I call the machine breaths, we want them to be able to do more spontaneous breathing. So if we need the patient to breathe 12 times a minute to get their adequate minute ventilation, and we turn the ventilator down, say, from 12 to 6, the patient needs to breathe on their own 6 times a minute, and that's what we would like them to do. But they may not be able to get the tidal volumes we need to maintain an adequate minute ventilation. Remember that minute ventilation is defined by the total volume and the respiratory rate. So we help them out with pressure support. And what pressure support does, it helps reduce the work of breathing. Each time the patient inhales, the ventilator delivers a pressure-limited breath, a pressure augment. And that pressure augment offloads the patient's breathing. Let's change, um, let's change gears for a second. You remember from high school physics that work is defined by force times distance. So let's take a 50 kilogram weight and put it on a floor, and we ask two people uh, to pick up the weight 36 inches, okay, three feet. Um, person A comes along and they just grab the weight and they pick it straight up and put it on the table, lifted it at 36. So they've done work as defined by force times distance, a 50 kilogram weight lifted 36 inches. The next individual comes by and they're a little bit more. Um, um, perhaps a little bit more lazy or a little bit more intelligent, whatever, but they set up a series of levers and gears and pulleys to uh, hopefully lose, le not burn as much energy. They know that that first guy who just picked the weight up used 100 
arbitrary energy units. We'll call it 100 energy units or 100 ATP. So it doesn't really matter. 100 watts, but they use 100 energy units. The next guy uses the levers and the pulleys and so forth. He picks up the weight, 36 inches, and puts it on the same table. Now, he has not used 100 ATPs. He's only used 50. How much work has the second guy done? The same, less, or more? Well, you'll remember that work is defined by force times distance. The force is the weight of the uh, is the mass of the weight, and the distance is the 36 inches. He's done the same amount of work, but he's used less energy. Now, let's go back to our patient in the intensive care unit. They may need to breathe an adequate, spontaneous breath. Um, they may need to breathe a 700 cc breath 10 or 12 times a minute, but they can't. They're not capable of it. They're weak, they've had some degeneration of their intercostals, their diaphragm, whatever, whatever. they've been, had some deconditioning. They can only pull a 300cc breath. So what we do is we pressure augment their spontaneous breaths so that for the same, the work, the work that they do to pull a 400cc breath gets them a 700cc total volume. Now what's the advantage of that? Why don't we just put on an SIMV rate, uh, a machine rate of 700 and not worry about pressure support? Well, you remember, we, we call those machine rates factory rates, factory breaths, and they're very predefined. Um, when we let a patient breathe a machine rate, we control everything about that uh, breath. We control the eye time, which is the inspiratory time. We control the expiratory time, the flow rate of the gas, the tidal volume, everything about that. And that's reasonably uncomfortable for the patient. We don't breathe factory breaths every time. Every breath we take is unique. Um, so for a patient to get those kind of machine breaths, we have to sedate them. Well, we've already said we'd like to minimize sedation as much, a much as possible to liberate these people from these ventilators. So what we do is we try to dial down those set mechanical rates, i.e. factory rates, and then we try to let the patient breathe more spontaneous by increasing the pressure support. And I call this the SIMV pressure support slide that we're trying to uh, have a patient do more spontaneous. As we turn down the SIMV, we often turn up the pressure support to maintain admitted ventilation. Now, pressure support also compensates for some of the resistance of the uh, ventilator tubings, and so you'll typically see people on pressure supports of 5 and 10 just to overcome some of the resistance that we see with the circuitry and then the tracheal tubes. So there you have it. You have some basic introductions on different types of ventilators be they time-cycled, volume-cycled, or pressure-cycled. We have the different types of modes of ventilation, CMV, which, which is controlled minute ventilation, excuse me, controlled mandatory ventilation, not uh, used hardly at all. Um, we've talked about uh, assist control, SIMV, um, and uh, pressure control, pressure control, SIMV, and we've talked some about um, uh, pressure support ventilation. We didn't talk about VDR. That's a talk um, on its own. Uh, and uh, things like high-frequency oscillatory ventilation. There is also modes you may see used called volume support, uh, and we've mentioned that pressure support in a given patient may change with time. You certainly see that with um, uh, patients in the intensive care unit, and volume support is nothing more than a computer-automated way of adjusting the pressure support on a patient over time without a uh, physician or respiratory therapist constantly dialing down the pressure support. The other mode of ventilation we didn't talk, which will be a talk on its own, is pressure-regulated volume control. Pressure-regulated volume control is a form of pressure control where um, the um, pressure limit is constantly being adjusted to maintain a target mid of ventilation. Uh, and again, um, that's uh, not really an introductory talk. 
The podcast is Surgery IC Rounds. This is Jeff Guy. Check out the website, www.verndoc.com. Thanks, good afternoon.